Hey there, it's Melissa Brunetti, and welcome to the Mind Your Own Karma podcast. Hey there, Karma crew. I have a great adoptee story to bring you today. Imagine being told that your birth parents had died in a car accident, and that is why you were put up for adoption. So most of your life, you didn't even think about trying to find your birth parents because you thought they were gone. But then as you get older, you still wanted to search and you did DNA and you found close relatives and you did reach out to them and were able to find out some of your history And you find out that that car accident never happened. This is what happened to my guest today, John Clausen. John is a 77-year-old retiree, and he lives in northern Illinois. He's married with two children now, and John and his wife travel extensively and do volunteer work for some nonprofit organizations. He discovered his birth mother's identity when he was 55 years old and just recently found out his father's identity in 2022. After finding out the identity of his parents, he found out that he had quite a few siblings out there. So he went from being an only child in his adoptive family to finding out he had multiple siblings out there that he thought probably did not exist because his parents were deceased. Now, finding out this information could have made John very bitter about the lie that he was told. But in talking with John, he's not bitter. He's better. And he's going to tell you a little bit about how he worked through all that and some tips that helped him work through any adoption trauma that he might have had. Here is John Clausen's story. We're welcoming John Clausen to the show today. Welcome, John, to Mind Your Own Karma. Good morning. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for contacting me. I mean, we are educating the world one story at a time. So (laughs) thanks for being bold and wanting to tell your story. Let's just jump right in. So tell us a little bit about you and then tell us about your adoption experience. What happened? What were the circumstances? Well, right now I'm uh, 77 years old and I'm married, retired, enjoying my retirement. And um, I think it's helped me, given me more time to investigate things like um, the adoption world and, and DNA and such things like that. Um, my adoption experience, it started, well, uh, I found out later on, much later on, um, the circumstances of my adoption. And as it turns out, uh, my mother abandoned me at three months. Uh, this was during the wartime, 1945, well, actually 44, when she got pregnant. And um, her husband was overseas. She was obviously dating other people. And I'm a product of uh, some of those adventures. And um, she brought me home. She was living with her parents. She brought me home, and she kept going out. And uh, it turns out her younger sister wound up taking care of me. 
and they're they were german immigrants and their father was um an unpleasant gentleman let's put it that way he didn't want any bastard children in the house so he called the cops and had him take me away when i was three months old and i was in a nursery slash orphanage uh, until i was adopted at 13 months and um, I knew about my adoption. My adopted parents told me about it early on and gave me the usual stuff. You were special. You were loved. We chose you, you know, the standard thing. And um, that was the circumstances of the adoption itself. And um, they were nice people. Um, they were Scandinavian heritage and Along with that came a very cool environment. There's very little overt emotion of any kind expressed, uh, including love or tenderness or things like that. It's not that they didn't uh, love me, but it was just not part of our life to be cuddly and, and you know, touchy-feely kind of thing. Um I, I had a nice life. I was not unhappy as a child, although... Um, I was partially in what we call the fog, um, but um, they told me that my uh, biological parents had both been killed in an automobile accident, and that's why I was available for adoption. So as I grew up, I just, well, my parents are dead, and that's that, and, the, you know, <laughs> let's go on with things. I did have a question. Did you have any siblings growing up? No. no. So you were an only child? Only child. Growing up. And there's okay. there's issues with that, too, I think, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> so your parents, your adopted parents, you didn't get adopted till you were a year old or so? Yes. So what were the, why were you in the orphanage for that long? I don't know. Hmm. Um, at that time, nobody discussed anything. Everything was secretive. Records are still not totally available. Um, I have a, some of the records from the Lutheran Social Services, which was the organization that was in charge of my adoption. Um, but they're sketchy, and there's some of the parts of them I they cannot release to me, uh, which is um, a thorn in many of our sides. We yes. can't get our own information. Right. Just ridiculous. So everything is centered around or has been centered around the adoptive parents. And then secondly, the relinquishing parent or parents mm. and not on the child and the, truly on the child's behalf, no matter what people say. Right. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's protecting everybody else and <laughs> we get no answers. Yeah. So growing up, and knowing you were, you knew you were adopted. Do you ever remember being told you were adopted? Did you always know? I re, well, I, I I always knew. They always told me from very early early on. My earliest memory memories are only at, started about four years old, and I don't really remember a lot about early childhood. Um, you know, in terms of things like that. Um, at one point, I know my mother told me that my birth name was Larry. And but that's it. And I, I knew I know no more. Yes. And oddly enough, um, the shirt I'm wearing 
is uh, uh, my my kids gave it to me for my birthday. It's it's the shirt from my high my high school, Lane Technical LT. Well, my birth name was Larry Tornow. Mm. I just re- realized that this morning as I put this thing on. Here's <laughs> here's my my birth initials. Yeah. How funny! My little secret when I wear the shirt, right? <laughs> so I I, re, I I don't recall, and there was no discussion of it. I know that. Did you feel knowing that you were adopted? Did you feel um, different from the other kids, or did you have any, you know, uncomfortable encounters with other kids finding out you were adopted? No, I don't recall any. Um, but I always felt out out of things. Um, Partially not a member of the group, um, very sensitive about people's uh, reactions and, and actions regarding me, um, but directly related to adoption, had no problems. I had friends. It wasn't like that, but mm-hmm. just it wasn't right. And the extended family, uh, they had a very large extended family. They were all very kind to me and everything, but there was, they knew I was adopted and there was some little difference. And I didn't look like anybody in that entire adopted family. So that was a bit odd, just kind of felt a little bit out of place, but not consciously aware of it the way I am now. Yeah. It sounds like you had a pretty positive adoption experience. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I, I, it, it's heartbreaking to see some of the other experiences expressed yes. uh, in the Facebook groups. Just it's so, so sad how people are treated. Yeah, I'm, I totally agree. So your adoptive parents told you that your birth parents died in a car accident. Did you find that to be true? What do you have, Did you find out what happened? I'm smiling because it took a long, long time. Uh, when I was in my 50s, um, we were in family counseling. Um and the counselor, in our discussions, he said one day, he said, you appear to have attachment issues. What was your childhood like? And I told him about the adoption and what I was told. And he said, well, did you ever look into it? And I went, no. <laughs> Duh. And he said, well, maybe you want you might want to do that. So I did. And at that time, this is, um, well, 20 years ago, a little bit more than 20 years ago, um, it wasn't like today. We didn't have the DNA services. Um, there wasn't much public discussion about searching and things like that. So I did a little bit of research and found uh, a gentleman who called himself a confidential intermediary. And he was an amateur. And he wasn't licensed in any way. But he did kind of like what a private eye does, and he learned how to do it in his own adoption case. So he used those skills for other people on a casual basis. He knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody, and they found my, the record of my adoption in the U.S. in the Chicago court that document somewhere. And from that, we were directed. He was directed to loosen social services. And that's when I was able to identify who my mother was. And this gentleman went and talked to, um, well, members, the remaining members of my birth family. Uh, My mother was the oldest of three sisters. There was only one surviving. 
And um, there were three cousins who were daughters of the middle sister who had passed away. Those three cousins and my mother's sister, my aunt, uh, I met them in the year 2001. He had, he had directed me to them. We had our first meeting. And it was a little bit awkward at first. Uh, my aunt was not sure about things. And then very quickly, she realized that I was who she was told I was. Uh, and she gave me a pic at that meeting. She gave me a picture of my mother. And I can't tell you. It's very emotional. It still is that seeing that picture at age, well, 55 years old of my mother for the first time in my life that I re re recall. I have a question. Did Was this the aunt that took care of you? Yes. She, Her sister? Oh, awesome. she recalled the one changing my diapers because my mother wasn't, wasn't available a lot before she finally totally disappeared. Um, so, and the three cousins, um, they've taken me and my wife, wife into the family as if we were natural members of the family. And we are. And we get together with them a lot. Um, and we're very close. I was extremely close to my aunt. Uh, she, she was a wonderful, wonderful lady. And she gave me a lot of information, what she could uh, about my mother and, and more pictures. And uh, we were very, very close. And uh, the last words we had together before she passed away was she said, we're glad we found you. No, I'm so glad we found you. And yeah. that also, you know, um, it, as you know, and many people out there know, uh, it, it's it's indescribable, the feeling when, when you finally get to have that feeling of your natural family. And um, yeah, so that. So the reunion was also positive. Oh, it was incredible and remains to this day very positive. Um, what did you learn about your mom from them about the accident? Was there an accident? Well, there was no accident. She just, she, she just left. Um, they, my aunt really didn't recall a lot about uh, my mother or their family life, which to me kind of means it was not pleasant. Um, I know it was chaotic. I know their their father, my grandfather, was uh, he was an alcoholic and an angry person, um, very old school, and um, so it was a lot of a lot of um, strife evidently in the home. And we know today that children feel those things even even in utero they they're aware of and the environment the emotional environment around them and so now i understand how that affected me, me all my life i um i get scared when there's when there's conflict when there's a potential for something bad happening when it does happen i'm okay i handle things fine but that there's a fear there, and I, 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 unscientifically, I, I feel that's that came from those early days, and then also that year, almost a year in the orphanage. Um, I have no idea what went on during that time. Um, that was a long time ago, and 
they didn't really know as much about infant um, handling infants uh, as they do now. So who knows uh, how that went. Back then they thought, you know, we're just, we won't remember it. So it didn't matter, <laughs> you know, now we, now we know better. Yeah. 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 That's <laughs> uh, the reading I've done really confirms uh, that the, the infants are so much more aware of their surroundings and even people. Um, a baby can identify its mother minutes after being born. Um, so that early relinquishment um, to me uh, is, is a massive, massive trauma. Yeah. Uh, and, and um, we know today uh, there's been a lot of studies. So we know today that is, that is the, the case. So would you consider yourself, I always feel like adoptees fall into two categories. Either you were the compliant child or you were the one that acted out. Sound like you were the compliant. Child. I was the compliant, the compliant, the acquiescent yeah. always. And it was compounded by the fact that my adopted mother was, I now realize very controlling. Mm. And, um, that, in my opinion, very controlling parents don't engender um, the desire the desire to make uh, decisions in the child. Uh, mm-hmm. If you can't make decisions, you you know, if you're not allowed to make decisions, you're not accustomed to it. Right. To this day, uh, I tend to ask permission mm-hmm. in various ways, and. Um, that's that hasn't gone away and i've worked on that a lot yeah but it's it's embedded in me so you said that you're you found out that there was no automobile accident and is that something your adoptive parents were told so they told you or did they make that up or i don't know and i have no way of knowing finding out my adopted parents have long passed Mm -hmm. uh, so there's no way of going back there's nothing in the records that i have they indicate anything like that. Um, I'm guessing they probably n- knew that that wasn't the case, but I, I don't know for a fact. Did you, were they passed when you um, were went into reunion? Yes. Yeah. Okay. They had no, this was long after they passed that I, that I did my first searching and, and found out all this stuff. It would be interesting Um to know how they would have reacted had they known. Um, And, and that I'm not, I'm not bitter, but I'm angry and sad that they didn't tell me the truth. I'm disappointed too, because they taught, they taught me to be truthful. Mm. And that there was the big lie there. Yeah. So I not sure if they knew, but I I suspect they knew or they made it up. Right. But back then, children weren't supposed to know any of that stuff so did you say that you got your unidentifying information from your adoption agency yes yeah is it didn't it didn't say anything in there about an accident or no anything nothing about that no in fact no uh no there was no accident for sure but but uh yeah whether whether I just wondered if the the lie came from the adoption agency no. or if it came, you know what I mean? Like if it was. No, there was nothing in the, in my, 
adoption records that I have that indicate anything like that. So somebody made it up. Somebody. So what did you find out about your mom? Like, does she go on and have a family later? Do you have siblings? Well, that, yes, yes, that's, my story really has three parts. The first part we've, we've just finished. The second part is, um, well, <laughs> in our, in our early contact, I, I told you that, uh, I'm a 77 year old adoptee. And in August 28th of this year, I was alone on earth. I had no blood relatives except my children, their blood relatives, our two children. And three days later, um, I had 10 half-siblings and 22 half-nephews and nieces and possibly another sibling. So through DNA, I joined all the D- almost all the DNA services, about five of them. And Ancestry has been the most productive. And I've, I had some pretty close matches in Ancestry, but didn't know what to do with them. Didn't really know what they meant. And... I was hoping, I don't know what I was hoping, but I was contacted by someone, a distant relative who I had a a, a, a low match with, and, and she helped me um, identify someone who she thought was my father. And so um, I, 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 she also suggested that if I wanted to look further, I contact this group called DNA Angels. And they're a nonprofit group who does DNA research for people in the hopes of making, um, you know, connections. And within three days, they found out who my father was for sure through DNA and his family. Now, as it turns out, he was probably, um, well, my my mother was, um, shall we say, promiscuous, and he was one of those adventures and i have no he probably had no idea that he left the child behind um he had eight children he lived not too far away from where i live and um, was had a very successful life so those eight children are half siblings of mine and and their various children are um 22 half nieces and nephews so that was my father's side how do you feel? So you didn't meet your birth mother or father. They were both passed. Well, my mother wasn't passed. My fa- my father passed in 2010. So I didn't never had the opportunity to, to meet him. I have one picture of him and I have his obituary. Mm. Uh, we've attempted to, I made some attempts to contact his children. No response so far. And that's okay. Um, yeah. But. Uh, after this, um, now I had learned a little bit more about how the DNA things work. And my very highest match is um, a woman who's the, the percentage of matching puts her as undoubtedly a half sibling of mine. Uh, I'm, I'm skipping a part here. Um, when, it, when I looked into the matches, um, I found some, one of the matches. I was was sure was a close relative. I contacted her and she contacted me back. And it turns out that her father is my half brother. Um, Their, her grandmother, her father's mother was my mother. Mm 
Uh, we know that from pictures and from the name she used and from the DNA. So after she left me, she went on to have another family, got married, had two children, a boy and a girl. And a year after the girl was born, she let she abandoned them. So she was an abandoner. <laughs> and where did they go? Uh, they're in California. I mean, were they adopted out? Were no, they, no, no. They they stayed with yeah, family. No, they or? were with family. She just left, and um, her son, who oddly enough, his name is Larry, like my birth name. Um, no connection there, but um, he and his sister really don't don't want to get together with me because they said it would bring back terrible memories. As it turns out, my mother mm-hmm. he remembers my mother laying on the floor drunk. Mm-hmm. when he was a kid so um she had problems she was obviously uh, problems and she left mm-hmm. so that could be the end of it except there's still one more match the woman who has the highest matching with me i've been trying to get a hold of her but she's not responding and i can't i had a, actually a private de- detective tried to track her down and he couldn't couldn't locate her. Wow. And I'm I'm certain she's a half sister, which means my mother went on to further adventures after abandoning that second family. Yeah. So uh, I doubt she's alive now. She would be 97 or 98. So, but I, I'm sad that my parents lied to me because it took away, away the opportunity to try to find my mother all those years. Yeah. So you haven't had no contact with any of your siblings. No, no. I don't feel all that close to my father's children because it was probably a one-night stand, and I just don't feel close. I do feel close to my mother's other children, mm-hmm. um, my two half-siblings and uh, half-niece. Uh, feel, I feel close to them because of the fact that they're, we we have the same mother. Right. And we went through similar unpleasant circumstances because of her. Right. So let's jump to adulthood here. And um, did you ever see yourself or did you ever discover that you were in the fog? And how did, how did you, how did you come to the realization that adoption had affected you throughout your entire life? Um, (laughs) I've had attachment issues all my life. I, and I, we had we had some issues with our kids when they when they were teenagers, uh, particularly our daughter. And during that time, I was hesitant to be the proactive father that they really needed. Um, part because I was so afraid of losing them or losing anybody by <clears throat> not being not being compliant or, or, you know, afraid to do the right thing at times. And uh, part of that, uh, part of that came from the fact that uh, um, I'm a recovering alcoholic and that, that got in the way of, uh, of, of doing the proper things too. Um, The fog and other issues, it's hard to separate things. It's hard to know exactly what comes from adoption and what comes from environment and things like that. Um, but 
I think my acquiescence and uh, attachment issues probably uh, were, they were noticeable. I didn't identify where they might have come from early on. What really got me aware of the fog and and its and the um, consequences of relinquishment was reading um, a book called Immortal Wound by Nancy Verrier. Shocked me to the core. Just it's my story. She identified why I feel the way I feel, how I feel, and and the fact that. We're a huge community of people who feel this way. We're not alone. And that that's comforting. We're not alone. Others are like this. We're not abnormal. We're normal people reacting to abnormal situations. Um, and our the consequences of that relinquishment for us are were survival methods. However, however it is we feel is our way of surviving. And that that really opened my mind to look back and examine myself, what I do, how I do things, uh, where that might have come from. Uh, and once once you can identify those things like that, then you can work on them. Uh, so. Yeah. Do you feel like you have come out of the fog and you're, or are you still a work in progress or? Definitely a work in progress. Some of those things I I may never get rid of, um, but it's getting better all the time. And um, I, I've developed such a joy out of seeing families with small children getting along. I'm just going to a restaurant and seeing parents who are attentive to little children. I think that just... I guess maybe because I missed that, uh, I just love to see that. And I'm so happy for those families and those children that they they have those bonds. Um, right. My adoptive parents were nice people, but like I said, very cool. There was very little emotion shown. My father, he never ever told me he loved me. Um, he may have. But I don't know. He never demonstrated yeah. it. He was nice to me. What? Don't get me wrong. But right. it was just so it's been hard for me to to practice that attention, uh, overt attention to even my, my, my immediate family. And that's sad. Yeah. How was it when you had a, your children and, you know, that was probably your first uh, blood relative that you had ever seen? Did you have a connection with your kids or was it hard to connect with them? It wasn't hard to connect with them, but it was hard to let them know how much I loved them. I look back and I did so little with our son in, in terms of uh, guidance or instruction or teaching stuff. Um, well, with either one, really. Uh, and I, I feel badly about that. And it wasn't until really looking in, into my own uh, behaviors uh, through the 12-step programs that that I learned about how I am and how I'm not. 
Um, we talk about doing harms to others, and some of the harms we do are inattention and and not demonstrating our affections. And that I'm very guilty of those kinds of things. Yeah, I've always felt close to my kids, but hard to express that to them and show it to them. It's been hard. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So do you think that adoptees ever come out of the fog totally? Do you think that's possible? Everybody's different, of course, but um, it certainly leaves an indelible mark. I don't think we can't ever forget it. Um, I don't want to wallow in it. I don't want to use it as an excuse for anything, which is easy to do. Um, But I think that the the effects of it exist exist forever. I don't think we ever grow out. We can adjust to it, I think, and compensate Mm -hmm. and and change our perspective. But I don't think we ever get, get over it. Yeah, realizing that you're doing it is half the battle and then catching yourself doing it is, you know, really the only way to to kind of uh, help not do it anymore. <laughs> any progress I've made, any growth I've made came through um, brutal and honest self-examination. Exactly, yeah. Why, what, what exactly do I do or did I do? And why? Where did it come from? What's behind it? Because there's something behind everything. If we're unhappy with a person, we're really unhappy because they're not doing doing what we want them to. Right. And and I know it, we adoptees are tend to be very sensitive, and sometimes tend to overreact to things. And uh, mm-hmm. well, I'm so tired of drama. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And um, right. the other thing, there's a, a, a quotation I remember uh, where where someone said, it's pointless to get angry at people who, just like us, are trying to grow up. Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody is is trying to just survive and get along, and th- they may not always know ways that are appropriate. Yeah, I know. Expectations of other people is where I get caught up a lot, you know, expecting things from someone and they don't follow through. That's, that's, that's guaranteed disappointment. Every, guaranteed. Yes. <laughs> yes. Ask me how I know. And you do have Ask to realize they're doing the best they can. Yeah. You know, they're doing the best they yeah. can too. I don't think, you know, most of the time they're not out to hurt you and I have to kind of come back to that. And they'll, and they'll say those, and they'll say those things out, out of ignorance that, you know, those those old bromides about, oh, you were loved and you were chosen. And, you know, there's some, certainly some truth in, in, in that, but they just don't know. And they're they're trying to make make us feel better. Exactly. That, not realizing that not realizing that it's, yeah. a, it's, it's, well, like it's a, an uncomfortable conversation a nice, for a lot of people and they don't know what to say. So it's like, oh, well, you had great parents, so everything's fine. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It just erases yeah. everything else, but, and you don't really want to, nobody wants to have that conversation. Like I want to have it, but I don't think anybody else really wants to have it. No. You know, they don't no. want to hear all that. Um, So you told me that you've come to some conclusions through your adoption journey that brought you peace. Can you tell us about that? Um, Through 
reading and and I'm I'm a member of a lot of Facebook uh, private Facebook adoption um, groups and through reading that and hearing what other people say um, some of the things I that have helped me is knowing first of all I did nothing wrong relinquishment to me is the ultimate rejection i don't think you can do much more to a person besides killing them th than reject them than throw them away no no matter the circumstance uh, and children tend to take responsibility for everything that happens around them and it's heartbreaking this one lady in in a forum said that she was her mother's sin it's horrible. And my response was, "You did nothing wrong. I mean, it, there's no sin. We're we're. Um, I don't I don't want to say victims. We're we're we received. We, we were the receivers of unfortunate circumstances, uh, but we did nothing wrong. And another thing is, we're not alone. There's millions out there like us. And what what how we how we react to our relinquishment is normal reactions to abnormal circumstances. So taking the guilt away and the shame was big for me. Um, the other thing is letting go of the past as much as possible, not forgetting it, but not wallowing it in it anymore. We can't unring the bell. Um, once the bell rings, the sound is out there and it's over with. Uh, but if we keep going back and reliving it over and over again, that's guaranteed unhappiness. So someone said once, you can look back, but don't stare. Yeah. <laughs> so my past is part of me. I know what it is, but today is different. Right. Uh, today is totally different. And Worrying about the past or future takes time away from from being happy right now. Yeah. Why Why would I bring unhappiness into this moment? Um. So th th those kinds of things have helped me. Uh, doing the readings, reading uh, things like uh, the Primal Wound and uh, lectures of Paul Sunderland and. Um, videos by Gabor Mate, if you know any of those names, those are pe people to look up. Um, their their writings have really helped me a lot and um, learn that I'm not different. I'm okay. I do believe re reading and then getting into, you know, an adoptee, some of the adoptee groups yes. uh, is those two things are huge. Those have helped um, me a lot. And yeah, accepting who I am. Exactly. You know, I'm 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 okay. I'm all right. Uh, another um, a spiritual, a female spiritual um, person uh, wrote that we fear the future because we're worried about how we're going to handle it. But we've handled everything up to this moment, so right. we'll be okay. So um, I, I really become conscious of living in the moment and. Um, if I start to get really upset, I'll just stop and do like the meditation meditation people do. Just stop and breathe mm -hmm. and focus on breathing in and breathing out for a couple of minutes. Help. It's marvelous. 
kind of going back to what you said about the lady saw on um, Facebook, you know, that said she was her mother's mistake pretty much, you know, we didn't have any control over what happened to us. So how can it be your fault? (laughs) You know, when you had no control over any of it. That is an identify a scientifically identifiable trait of children all over every child. Mm -hmm. Children, Mm -hmm. when they're born, they're totally self-centered. And we are pretty narcissistic, narcissistic when we're young, because that's natural. And then we tend to take responsibility for everything because it's our world. And then comes guilt and shame and blame. And we have to be kind to ourselves, I think, and treat ourselves okay. Yeah. Um, you have to give ourselves a little grace. Yeah. Good, good term. So in closing, if there was one thing that you could tell a struggling adoptee, one piece of hope or advice, what would you say? Get help. However that is, um, don't keep it all inside. Um, get help. Talk to people. Um, get a counselor. Get a, if you, you know, go to therapy. Um, join, join groups, self-help groups. Um, and it doesn't have to be only adopted groups. There's other other organizations, other groups out there that um, can help. It's just being with people and getting out of our, getting out of ourselves, I think is, is that's been crucial for me. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping it, keeping it for anybody out there who's, who's not an adoptee. um, I would encourage them to look into it more and, 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 um, Particularly if you if you know an adopted person in any way, um, looking doing doing a little reading and, and research would would help relationships. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, John, and sharing your story. Uh, it was my pleasure. Believe me, it's it's uh, it's part of coming out of the fog. I believe is to share with people. I totally agree. Totally yeah. agree with that. Thanks again. And I really appreciate what you do. I think you help a lot of people by doing this. Thank you. It really amazes me every time I hear a story where there is just this huge lie that has been made up and told to the adoptee. And it's all in the name of the adoptee's best interest. And that's just so not true. No matter how hard the truth is, the adoptee needs to know really what happened. And I'm sure in this case, the person that made up the lie was thinking, we don't want to tell John that his mom just abandoned him and didn't want to take care of him. And so let's just make this lie up because that will be the best thing for him. But is it really better to tell the lie in hopes that the truth never comes out? And what if the truth does come out? Then what? I bet if you took a poll of adoptees, 
I bet 98% of them would want to know the truth no matter what. Whatever the truth is, they want to know. They need to know so they can work through it. It's horrible to find out that people that you trusted in your life, that you find out they lied to you. And what a huge lie. So now you not only have to deal with the truth, which should have been told to you a long time ago, but you have to deal with the person that told you the lie and what fallout is going to come from that. It's probably a good thing that John didn't know where the lie originated, but it was still told to him. And I think that is a huge thing for adoptive parents to know is no matter what the truth is surrounding an adoption, that adoptee needs to know the truth. No matter how hard it is or how hard you think it's going to be for your child. Thanks again, John, for sharing your story on the podcast today. If you are any part of the constellation, you can come on the podcast and tell your story. This is how we educate the world. You can be a birth mother, an adoptive parent, an adoptee. You can be an expert on trauma. You could be a genealogist, a expert in DNA, anything that has to do with adoption. You can contact me at mindyourownkarma at gmail.com. And let's get you on the podcast. Let's educate the world. If you are enjoying the podcast on a regular basis, please consider subscribing to the podcast. It is free. And if you are on a platform that allows reviews, please consider doing that also. It really helps get the word out about this podcast. Thanks for listening today. And as always, take what you need and leave what you don't. And always remember to mind your own karma. I'll see you next time. Oh my gosh, Tomlin. Are you serious? This is what I put up with, guys.